Bokartov, we are starting today Parashat Re'eh, but before we begin Parashat Re'eh, we have to see what happens at the end of Parashat Ekev. Uh, the end of Parashat Ekev goes through, we have the Vehayayim Shamoa, which basically tells us to make sure to keep the mitzvot, and make sure to keep the Torah on our hearts, to write them on our doorposts. Um, and, uh, and, and we will be able to live long in the land if we do so. And if we do not keep the mitzvot, and if we go after the, the gods of the other nations, then, So basically, the end of Parashat Ekev gives generally the idea of that if we keep the mitzvot, we will succeed in the land. And if we do not keep the mitzvot, we will get kicked out of the land. And then we have the maftir, if you keep all of these mitzvot, that I'm commanding you to love Hashem your God, to go in His ways and to cling to Him. God will uh, uh, dispossess all of the goyim from before you. You will conquer uh, nations that are greater than you. Any place that your, the soles of your feet will go on, will tread, the place will be yours. From the desert to the Lebanon, from the river, the Euphrates, until the Nile River, it will be your, until the Yamach, I'm sorry, until the, the Mediterranean, will be your borders. No man will stand before you. Your fear will be on all the nations that... Um, on the land that are in the land that you are going to be treading, as God said to you. Okay, so the end of the parsha just says it's it's a classic devarim uh, esque speech that if you keep the mitzvot, then God will make the nations fear you and you will succeed in dispossessing them of the land and and taking possession of the land yourself. Now that's a lead in. So so if we're going to just summarize Ekev, he basically told Bnei Israel. Do not think that you get a free pass because the only reason you're going into the land is because of the zechut avot and the wickedness of the people that are there. So if you are wicked, you're then, like then you're just like them. You're going to be kicked out. Proof to that, if you look at our history, yeah. there were times when... We got kicked out of our you, when, No, if you look at our history, meaning uh, Moshe saying to Bnei Yisrael, if you look at our history, there were times where Borei Olam was on the verge of destroying us. A couple of times. A couple of times. The number exactly. So he, he so if Borei Olam was willing to destroy us, then I had to pray for you to to stop any from stop Borei Olam from destroying us. So it doesn't mean it can't happen again. That's proof. That's proof for the future. Moshe basically says. And then we close with again with the reiteration of the idea that if you keep the mitzvot, you will succeed in the land. If you do not keep the mitzvot, you will be dispossessed of the land. Okay. Thursday. Happiest Thursday. Okay, now we are now we are going into Parashat Re'eh. What I told you is that there were multiple speeches in Devarim. The second speech, which we are in the middle of, is a summary of the mitzvot. Okay, Parashat Re'eh is going to open, is going to start discussing those that, the mitzvot, the mitzvot that. Uh, that we said we're going to be discussing. Now, now, what are these mitzvot that we're going to be discussing? They're mitzvot that probably pertain, either they're mitzvot that pertain to the land of Israel, because Moshe is preparing Bnei Israel as we enter the land. That is the Peshat. And also, 
it could include some mitzvot that Moshe, that Moshe had not taught them yet, but he found necessary to teach them now, just because he needed to cover his, you know, cover his bases. So, um, but, but before we get to the mitzvot, Parashat Re'eh opens up with a, uh, um, a, a, little, a few more words of encouragement and, and thing before we get into that topic. See, before, see today I'm giving you uh, uh, Before you and A choice between blessing and a curse What is the blessing? The bracha will come When you listen to the mitzvot of Hashem your God That I am commanding you today And the curse Will come to you if You do not listen to the mitzvot and you go off the path that I am commanding you today. And you go after other gods that you do not know. Now what's interesting about this Pesukim is it seems like you have an option for a blessing and a curse. The blessing will come if you keep the mitzvot. And the curses will come if you deviate and go after the Abu Dazara. But you could also read it differently. You could say the blessing is the keeping of the mitzvot. And the curse is the violation of the mitzvah. Which is also true. I mean, which is, which is even, probably even more true. The, and that takes maturity to see. You know, it takes maturity to see how the mitzvot are really a blessing. When, you, when you, we're children, they tell us, take, 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 if you do this mitzvah, I'm going to give you a candy. Right? That's how we deal with children. When you get older, you realize that doing the mitzvah is the candy. You don't need you know? a candy. I'm studying for this. So it, depend, it depends how you read these psukim. Right? Is, uh, so you said maturity. You understand the concept. Okay, next, Pasuk 29. Yeah. And it will be when God will bring you into the land that you're coming to possess. You will give a biracha on the mountain of Gerizim. And the curse will be on Har Eval. Now, what is he referring to here? This is the introduction to a mitzvah which we see is fulfilled in times of, in times of Yehoshua, in like the eighth chapter of Yehoshua. The idea is that near the area of Shechem, there are these two mountains. There's a mountain called Mount Gerizim, and there's a mountain called Mount Eval. Okay? When we enter the land of Israel, we, we go, we're going to go up on top of the mountains, and we're going to put six of the tribes on... No. How does it work? We have uh, Kohanim on both of the mountains. How did it work again? Oh, shoot. I forgot. I forgot. It was six in one and six in the other. Right. There are six... Let's, let's say we just, I'm not sure exactly how it worked, but they had six of the tribes will be on one mountain, and then six of the tribes on another mountain. And now see, now the Kohanim are going to stand, the Kohanim and the Levim are standing on the bottom in the valley somewhere, and they basically go through a list of, yes. of mitzvot. Yes. But, what, you have a summary of, no, no, of the no, no, process? No, no, no. I'm looking for you, but I remember now what you're yeah. saying. Okay. Blessing and then the curses. Yeah. Now the way... I'm going to give a summary. Each one, a man. Each one yeah, so, so the way they would do it is they would turn to Mount Gerizim and they would say, blessed is the person who uh, does not uh, violate this and this and this. And then they will answer, Amen. And then they turn to the other group and they say, curse is the person who violates this and this and this. The same thing. Uh, and then they say, Amen. The same thing. Blessed is the person who keeps it, curses the person who keeps it. You answer Amen and Amen. Certifying the blessings and the curses. Yeah. It's almost like a re... Yeah, now this is... Now this is just like... Um, we're going to see this mitzvah opened up in more detail later in the book of Devarim. 
In fact, we're going to even see the curses that are listed. Okay? The curses and the, you know. So, so, but we have to wait on that. Okay? For in the meantime, this is just a little bit of an introduction. Why Moshe is bringing this mitzvah here, I don't know. But what, what does this represent though? What is this idea? What is the, this, this blessing and curses on Mount Grizim, Mount Eval? It's, it's supposedly 40 years earlier, we accepted the Torah and made a covenant on Har Sinai. Within, within a few days, we made a... Dis- right, for sure. But we made a covenant on Har Sinai to keep the Torah. Now, once we... But the mitzvot, where are they supposed to be kept? Where are the mitzvot? Where is the land for the mitzvot to be kept? In Israel. In Israel. Also the mitzvot so yes. when we get into the land of Israel, we need to reestablish the covenant yes, that we made on Har Sinai. Yeah. We need to reestablish a covenant the in the land because that's where it's really supposed to be kept. Now, here's an interesting idea, though. If the mitzvot are supposed to be kept in the land of Israel, and we're making a second covenant in the land of Israel for that reason then why is the main covenant of Matan Torah outside? Why is it outside of Israel? Why didn't Boreola make it in a way where we got, we got the, the Torah in Israel? Because they needed first to, to, to be in the Midbar, to learn it, to really just to... So the, the, I, think, I think, no, I think the answer is, is because um, Boreola knew that we would be, much of our history would be outside the land of Israel. And if we had the impression that the Torah only, apl- only applies to that land, then we would never keep the Torah. And we wouldn't keep the land when we were outside. Another thing it teaches us is that Borei Olam and his Torah, its wisdom is not a localized thing. It's it doesn't only apply to Israel. It's all over. It applies to the entire world. So where do you give the Torah? In the desert, which is no man's land. Which means like, this is, this is everybody's land. He didn't give it in Rome. He no, he didn't give it in, it in any... In London it's or in the Hong Kong. I've heard that, you know, the Moshe Rabbeinu was... We don't even, the humblest, we don't even know. The desert is the we don't even know. We don't even know which mountain. The most yeah. humble, humble place is the desert. Right. Humbling. Yeah. You cannot... You cannot but it's, a, it's also an, a land that belongs to nobody. Yeah. Which means that this, that this Torah applies... It has, has no... Is, it, the wisdom behind the Torah has no uh, specific applicability to any... any Nation within a land It belongs to everyone Meaning in a sense It is supposed to be Promulgated and pushed To everyone By by one nation But it's supposed to be For everyone So it's The the main covenant Is done in a place Where everybody We are the ones Who have to carry the example Yeah exactly We are particularly The rabbis Pasuk 30 Halohem ma'be'ever These mountains Are after the They're on the Other side of the Jordan River They're on the West part Where the sun comes down Uh, In the land of the Canaanites Who dwell in the Arava Near Gilgal and near Elone More. Okay. That's just the location of these mountains he's giving us. For you are entering, you are crossing the Jordan to go and possess the land that Hashem is, has, is giving you. You will uh, possess it and you will dwell there. And you'll be careful to keep all of the Mishpatim and the Mishpatim that I am giving before you today. Now the speech begins. Okay, so that was all introduction. Pashat Ekev was introduction for the, main, the speech. Now we're going to get to the mitzvot of the land. So if I'm going to 
if I'm going to tell B'nai Israel, you are about to enter the land of Israel, where you're possessing land that was and that's currently possessed by Ovdei Abodah Zarah, by other nations. First, you have to cleanse this land. Right. The first thing you have to do if you want to keep the mitzvot is, is put yourself in a position where you can keep the mitzvot, which means you have to clean the clean land. It's like you want to build a, you want to build a kanisa. The first thing you have to do is to clean, make sure the, the soil is clean, that there's not, there are no trees there. You need to cut down the trees, right? You need to get rid of all of the things that are getting in your way of building. So what would potentially get in our way when it comes to keeping the mitzvot? All the, the influence of other nations, right. of their Abu Zara. So the first thing you have to do is to get rid of it and to clean. So that's going to be the first mitzvah that's discussed. So these are the laws and the ordinances that you should be careful to keep. In the land that Hashem, God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you are on the land. Destroy completely all of the places that the nations have worshipped there, that you are uh, possessing them. Uh, uh, that the nations that you are conquering, that they serve there their gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and every every leafy tree. So uh, the trees were also there. Trees were very big. Abu Dazara for them, like the Asherah. Abu Dazara. In this case, it's idol worship. It is not like a philosophical. Yes. Like other oh, yes. Yeah, there is the discussion of what's considered Abu Dazara, technical Abu Dazara, and what's not, for halakhic purposes. So for Christianity, because they they have they split God into three, and then they deified a human being, then there is that's considered Abu Dazara. You know, but it's you know it's still a discussion though. It's still a discussion. Even for example, within Christianity. You have like the far extreme is like the Greek Orthodox. It's like where they what they serve in like Russia and whatever, yeah, and that's like extremely yeah. Abu Dazara. But then you have the far extreme, which is like American Protestantism, which if you go into a church, they don't have imagery. They have no images. So there are some rabbi, modern scholar, the modern chachamim who make a difference. They say, okay, Protestantism is not Abu Dazara, but Greek Orthodox is, but on the whole, Christianity is considered Abu Dazara, and on the whole, Islam is not. Right? Islam is not. No problem is a mosque. So we can go You could go into a mosque. They pray, same God, same this, same everything. In fact, if you, if you want to go into a. Actually, I was in the most beautiful mosque. Yeah. Abu Dhabi is one mosque. Wow, beautiful. I want to see. It's probably fascinating. Wow. Very nice. Wow, they probably build the most beautiful thing. Now they're building a canister. Yeah. Building a canister, yeah. building a mikveh, everything. Yeah, everything. All the way. Maybe if America, if Vaza uh, in America, it's already bad. It's not getting away. They're working on all the Jews. Yeah. Okay. So destroy all the places that the nations were serving their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every leafy tree. You shall destroy their altars and their bowing stones you shall break. And their trees you shall burn in fire. And their idols of their gods you shall chop down. You shall uh, eradicate their name from that place. 
Do not do this to Hashem your God. Do what to Hashem your God? To destroy, to destroy, no. what? To keep. So here is uh, an interesting thing. If you look at the next part of that, I, this is, uh, I, I found this Devar Torah in last year's Shiur. Because I said it last year. Um, but, but if you look at the Pasuk, Look at the next pasuk. It's just one short pasuk. Lo tasunkein. Lo tasunkein la v'mayel lechem. The next pasuk talks about how you should, you shall make one location to serve God there. So, the question is, what is the lo tasunkein? What is the do not do this to Hashem your God? Is it is it do not have many different locations, or is it do not destroy the temple of Hashem your God? Because First it says, destroy all of their gods, cut down all of their places. And it says, do not do this to Hashem your God. Rather, serve like... Him in one location. So now, is it, is the Pasuk saying, do not serve in many different locations, rather serve in one location? Or do not, just shut or down do not God's, cut down uh, God's, God's location. locations. No, yeah. it's the first. I think it's the first. It's the first one. one. It's the first one. Because, because Bnei Israel is not exactly Bnei Israel is not going to chop down the temple of God for no reason, okay. right? The Peshat. Now here's here's the interesting that the Peshat is probably the first one. It's probably or whatever whichever one. It's that they are serving under every tree and on, the, on every mountain. Do not serve Hashem like that. Rather, make one location where you're going to serve Him. But, but and that, that's Peshat. That seems to be the Peshat of the Pesukim. However, because of the way it sounds, halakhically, from here, we learn the Isur of erasing God's name. From here, we learn the halakha that you're not allowed to erase God's name. So if you have like a, a parchment that has Yud Kei Vav Kei on it, you have to put it in Geniza as opposed to throwing it out or any, anything of the sort would be in violation of this mitzvah. Because Don't the Lot Ta'asun, it sounds like it's going on the eradication yeah. of the, the places of worship. So from there, there's an Isur to erase God's name if you have it on a parchment. But again, that's, a, that's an example in which the halakhic understanding of the text is not identical to the Peshat. Remember I gave a Devar Torah on this, how yes, Rashi and even Ashbam, yes, yes. they, they have this, Separate, yeah. this, uh, this tension between the Peshat understanding of the text and what's learned Halakha Lemaseh. So that would be like an example of it. Um, so, you'll bring into that specific location, that one location, not multiple locations, you bring, that one location, you'll bring your Olot and Zvachim and your Maserot, all the Tirumot, the things that you promise to give the, the, the korbanot that you promise and the firstborn of your flock and your sheep and you will eat there before Hashem your God and you will be happy with everything that um, you have to be happy yeah but what is mishlach uh, and all you put your hand onto you and your households that Hashem has uh, uh, bless uh, your households. Okay, let's stop here. What, what? In the Chumash, we don't have the location of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is chosen in the Nevin. This is the problem. They, they didn't. They, also, so throughout the whole Nevi'im, they so I, I, it's a, it's a good question. Um, 
It's tough. I, I don't. I don't think. I, 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 these, it, you know, you know. It's like after. I personally think all of these were buildings. I personally well, think after the Beit Jews have a lot of commandments to eradicate, to destroy, to this. But in, but in general, if you look throughout history, we've never really followed God's commandment. Why? Because in the end, what is a Yehudi? Is a Rachman. We are. We're not, it's not in our nature to It's not in our nature to It's our problem. It's a problem, but it's big also problem. at the same time... Big problem. It's our problem, but it's also it's what also, It's also what makes us, it's what makes us great. You know, God knows it. Yeah, but you know, it's, to what extent? The reason the Torah is saying this is because they are the dominant forces in the land, right? Their Abu Dazara is everywhere. Yeah. So if you want to live there without their influence... Then you need to eradicate. Now, but, but, tell me, to land, but tell me, but tell me today, how many, how many churches? Wait, tell me today in Israel today, are the churches having a very strong effect on reeling in Jews and making them Christians? No. So is it the same situation as what the Torah is saying? Not at all. But when this was said, so, there was no no Christianity yet. There was nothing. There's only Abu Dazah. Yeah, you were walking into Abu Dazah. No, but, he, but he's saying. He's saying if Christianity is Abu Dazara, then it's a problem. But the same way we have a problem then, we should have it now. He said, he said, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I don't, land, I don't think, it doesn't seem like it's the same thing. Because there, they were the dominant forces in the land and their influence was everywhere. In Israel today, their influence is tiny, it's nothing. We're, we let them there as a charity case. Yes. And they keep our laws. They keep the laws of the land. And they're good. And they keep the laws of the seven yeah, and the seven not. No, no, I don't know. Do we have everybody's.